All right, yo, what's up? It's your boy, D. Starks. Starks Artist. You're now tuned in to the Just Different Podcast, where we talk everything faith, life, and culture. Today, we're getting into the topic of indecisiveness, something that we've all dealt with, possibly currently still struggle with, and it's going to show up at multiple times in our life as long as we live. And I think I have been running into this just thinking about next year, going into 2024, having a lot of opportunities coming my way that I'm presented with and I'm having to make decisions on. And honestly, I've really just sat back and been very complacent and have almost just neglected and swept a lot of these hard decisions I need to make under the rug. And one thing that I have learned from even studying this and trying to figure out what the issue is, is the fact that no decision is still a decision. And one of the biggest things that I've taken away from this, as I've been like listening to a lot of different sermons and people speak on it, is the fact that your decisions will dictate your destiny. And destiny is a word that's thrown around a lot within the church and different spaces when people are trying to edify, motivate, or encourage. But destiny speaks to the ultimate contribution you've been called and created to make while you've been here on this earth. And when we talk about indecisiveness, if not confronted, this can be the ultimate enemy to our destiny. And this can show up in a lot of different ways when it comes to us asking the question of like, all right, what school should I attend? Should I take this job? Where should I study? Should I start the business? Should I write the book? And this shows up with these significant decisions and even those that we seem, and even those that seem to be minute or seemingly not as important, it all affects our day to day and what we're called to. So I'm excited and ready to get into this conversation. But there was something that I heard today that I wanted to share before we get into everything that I thought was important. And I don't know, it struck me and I, I just wanted to relay it. So my girl, had told me this because she went into work today and she went to get her eyebrows done at this salon near her job. And so she goes in and she's, you know, getting her work done, sitting down with this lady who owns the shop. And she says she's extremely polite, very genuine. And there's having a conversation and this lady is speaking to her about how she's an immigrant from India. I believe she's like a second or third generation immigrant. And and she's just speaking or at least praising her for a while. Like you are like very nice and extremely polite. Like I appreciate this. And she recounts a story of an interaction that she had. And this had to be maybe a few years ago. And she's talking about how it's been really difficult because she's had parents and family members who are telling her that she's wasted her degree because she went to school for finance and have put a lot of pressure on her to maybe go down a traditional route and pursue what they believe to be the right course of action for her. But she says that, you know, working on people's eyebrows and doing cosmetic and whatnot, is like what brings her joy, what she's happy doing. And she speaks about this interaction she had with a couple. I think she was on a train coming from Pennsylvania back to New York, where her shop is. And she talks about how they just had a very genuine interaction. They were very kind, extremely compassionate, empathetic. And they were going back, sharing their life story. And one thing that they told her is the fact that they were proud of her. 
for starting up her own salon, being a successful business owner and just following her dream and her passion and sticking it through and like all of it coming into fruition because that's just amazing. And she said that that was the first time that she had ever heard that. Like no one had ever taken the time, whether that be maybe, you know, from her inner circle or even outside of that had really like expressed just their appreciation. I mean, acknowledgement for what she's done. And the moral of the story is it was just so interesting that that one comment and that one interaction that happened years ago, this woman is like still holding on to. And that was like a big motivating factor in her life and that she took with her to help her keep going. And so I just think it goes to show because I don't always or I'm not always able to hear or come across stories like that what these small moments and interactions can do for people. It's like taking time out of our day to have a conversation, stepping outside of our world to be selfless and give people our ear and also just give them like small pieces of encouragement, like for them to continue to keep going because we don't know what that can even look like. Sometimes what's significant to us can be what changes a lifetime for someone else. And I was like, I don't know, that struck me. I'm an emotional person. So even the smallest things, I'll see something like on TV or in a movie or a commercial and just start crying. And so I was like, wow. And, you know, I think we've talked about that a lot in terms of just wanting to be of service to people stepping outside of our shell. And I think that was just a testament to what the result of that can be and why it's so important. I think that's the, the crux of the Great Commission, what we're called to, like, evangelism, but this can happen through small conversation that sparks something, sparks something in someone they never knew was there and can give them that, that, you know, extra motivation to keep going. Right. And so I thought that was definitely worth mentioning. And I also saw a quote, I don't know if this necessarily ties into that at all, but I have been feeling to share. You can let me know what you think, but (laughs) I'm a part of like all these random newsletters of like all these I don't know, like self improvement and <laughs> productivity. Uh, people, bro, bro, just giving his email away. <laughs> and it's a quote, and it says, "The best measure of wealth is what you have minus what you want." And by this measure, some billionaires are broke. And I, I believe the ROI of life is finding fulfillment and satisfaction, mm-hmm. and being within that every single day. And we just talked about gratitude and being Mm -hmm. appreciative of what's right in front of us. And I believe that this adds to that in terms of just in terms of understanding what true wealth is, no matter what it looks like, monetarily speaking, yo, if you have love, like relationships, you found some sense of purpose and you have joy and you can tap into that and have access to that. You are rich by all means. And not losing sight of that at all. So, yeah, that that kind of it took me a while to digest yeah. and really process. But I love it. The best measure of wealth is what you have minus what you want. And by this measure, some billionaires are broke. And this endless desire we have for more can leave us left that much more empty with nothing left in our hands when we can really have everything sitting right there. So, yeah. Yeah. You got anything else you want you want to share? You you've been If not it's cool. I'm just on a tangent okay. right now. 
because you have me digging, trying to dig through the depths of my memory, trying to think, trying to think about something. I don't have anything on top of my head, but I think that's fire. The 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 message of contentment. I like it. That equation. Like I, I'm about to write it down in my notes. That equation. What you, what you have versus or what you have minus what you want. Not as fire, but I don't have anything to add though. I don't have anything to say. Okay, but with all of that, getting into, <laughs> but with all of that out of the way, getting into this idea and conversation about indecisiveness, I think that one thing I've been enamored by and fascinated with once again is this idea of free will, and and with that, the idea is. The one thing God doesn't have is our yes. And he can never dictate our choice in the decisions that we can make while we're here on earth to choose him, his way, or the path that he wants for us. And since God has given us this ability to choose, it's important for us to be able to steward it well. And when it comes to not being able to make decisions, indecisiveness will assassinate your dreams because there are some dreams and plans that I've never come into fruition because someone didn't have the courage to just make a decision. And I know that some of us can look back even for myself and maybe see a few moments didn't fully manifest themselves because I didn't decide. I didn't Mm -hmm. choose and life just kind of happened and passed by. And the thing about this is God can give you the dream. He can give you the talent and the resources, but it's you that has to do it. And one thing that I put down is if you don't make a decision, life will make one for you. If we don't choose to be guided by God, we'll be swept up by the agenda of the world. And I think that's where that leaves us. It's in this very gray area when we're not making a conscious effort mm-hmm. or taking that leap of faith and just having a bit of courage to just step into where all the signs are pointing. Or even if that's not completely clear, just getting the guidance, really seeking God for what that next move needs to be. Yeah. And um I'm happy to be having this conversation because I, I will say I feel like this is something that God has walked me through in terms of just dealing with my indecisiveness in the past. I think very not too long ago, maybe this year, it was a lesson that he had taken me through in terms of just making big decisions and and being indecisive and not wanting to take steps and make a move. And one of the things that I had learned through this process of God walking me through this season was that essentially, if I had to chalk it up to a phrase, it would simply be taking a step takes just as much faith as waiting. And essentially what I was doing in my life was I was applauding indecisiveness and dressing it up as I'm just being patient and waiting on God. And although there is a time and place for that, I also feel discernment is very important in terms of these seasons of your life. When you're deciding, it's important to be leaning on your discernment in terms of what season you're in, because there's a time where you need to wait in faith. And there's also times where you need to take a step out on faith. Right. And like I said, I was applauding indecisiveness. It felt noble because it's like I'm wait I'm just waiting on God to tell me something. I'm 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 waiting to hear on God, you know, regarding this decision that I'm making. And when in all reality, I was just being indecisive. I just wasn't making a decision. God had already told me, like, okay, like you kind of have 
reign to choose like, you know, what option you want to do. But I was like, no, I want to hear blatantly. It was kind of like I wanted God to come to me, you know, with the deep voice, Jordan, like do this. And the that's deep dangerous. Voice is crazy. Nah, it's just, sometimes that's 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 the way that we <laughs> wanted to happen. And that's where I was at. And that's dangerous. So I wanted to submit maybe that's where some of you are. Maybe that's something some of you have done at some point is you've you've dressed it up as I'm waiting on God. When in all reality, God's like, yo, I just need you to take a step, right? Because we've talked about it before. A GPS doesn't give directions until you move out the garage. So a lot of us are sitting here waiting on God to tell us to do something. And he's like, yo, like start, start taking that step in that direction. And then I'll direct your path. And then I'll tell you, oh, take that step and then take that step. So like I said, discernment is very important with this, but it's important that you make that distinction of, okay, God, should I be waiting or should I, should I take a step? So that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in, term, in terms of what was a root of my indecisiveness and my failure to make a move, make a step, make a decision. And the second misconception that God had to tear down in my life, I was over spiritualizing it. And I think same with this at this point as well. Like there's a balance and your discernment is important, but making decisions is just as practical as it is spiritual. And that's something that he had to teach me in my life. And I actually, I was sitting on it and I was like, okay, like I was literally thinking about examples in the word. I'm like, God, like give me an example in the word where there was a decision, an important decision that needed to make to be made. And like, what steps did they take? So I immediately got brought to the moment in Acts where Judas had died and they needed to fill his spot as one of the disciples. So this is where we're picking up for context. And it's Acts chapter one, verses 19 through 23, right? So I'm going to I'm going to read from 23 or 19. It says everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akadama, and I butchered that. That is field of blood for said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must come, become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Once I was reading this, I noticed there was steps that they took, right? And although it might not blatantly say, oh, these are steps to help you make decisions, there are steps that they took in making these decisions. In fact, in this whole account here, there's several decisions that they were faced with, right? So the first decision that they're faced with is, okay, there's a spot missing. Judas passed away. Do we need to fill his spot or do we not need to fill his spot, right? So what was the first thing that they did? They looked at what God had already said in his word, right? I'm going to go back. It says in verse 20, it says, may another take his place of leadership. That is a that is referencing a verse in the Old Testament, right? So the first thing that they did is they asked themselves, what has God already said about this? Has he said something about this? Because God doesn't contradict himself. 
So whenever you're making a decision, that's the first thing you should be looking at. Has God said something about this? Has God told me something that contradicts making that move or, or choosing that option? Right. So the next decision they needed to make was, OK, now that we recognize what God has said, we need to fill his spot. Hmm. Who do we fill his spot with? That's the next that's the next decision they have to make. So there's criteria. So, OK, God said this. We need to fill a spot. Cool. Who do we choose? Well, there's criteria that we have to follow. This person has to have been with us from the moment that he was baptized by John. Right. To the moment that he he was crucified. So that was the criteria. So now that they got the criteria, they got two people. So now they're faced with these two people, these options. Okay. So now that we went through all that, now we got to choose between these two people. What did they do? They prayed to God. They said, God, you know, our hearts, you know, people's hearts, help us choose who you want to choose. And then they casted lots, which essentially casting lots would be like the equivalent of rolling dice or flipping a coin or something like that. And they landed on who they landed on. So when I was reading this, I noticed, yo, they really went through practical steps to do this. So they sought God first and foremost of what he's already said. And then there was criteria of like, okay, what works and what doesn't? Like th- it has to fit in this. It has to fit near. They got their two options. They prayed to God. They cast a lot. So I just wanted to submit that because I think that would help a lot of people in terms of what, I guess if you have a bunch of options or you're making decision, weighing what you need to do spiritually and practically seeking God, but also, okay, is there criteria in terms of what would work for me and what wouldn't, what would work for my family and what wouldn't, so on and so forth. So that's the second thing that God had kind of taken me through in the season of my life is recognizing, yo, it's it's practical too. And there's there's step there's steps to it in terms of weighing your options, so on and so forth. So those are the two biggest things that God has taught me this year in terms of my indecisiveness and things that that fed into it. It was, it was one, well, it was over-spiritualizing it and also not recognizing that sometimes God just wants you to take a step instead of just, you know, waiting and sitting idle. So those were definitely two, two of my biggest lessons. Then to your point of God at times wanting us just to take a step and the fact that you can't really get any navigation or direction from a GPS while you're parked and or standing still. I remember I saw a clip from Alex Jean. He was somewhat speaking to this and he was basically talking about the verse that mentioned the fact that many are the plans of a man or rather his heart, but it's a God who essentially will guide and or order his steps. And he was saying that means that God can't guide you if you have no plan. And to the same idea, he said, try to steer a car and it's parked. And so there is at at times and, and more oftentimes than what we think, some action that needs to take place and or happen. And that's important for us to always look at. And yeah. one big thing for me that like I've realized, and I heard Darius Daniel say this, and he was And it basically was the reason that many people don't make a decision is because they are afraid of making the wrong decision. And the problem we often run into in this particular process that I know for me is fear. It's this idea that there is something that's going to be left on the table that I could have had, but I forfeited because of the wrong decision. And by way of me being a perfectionist, wanting everything to be as close to 
perfect and excellent as possible and being so stringent upon that. This would this fuels me and brings me so much anxiety. And this can be in the smallest settings. Even when I'm mm-hmm. looking for, let's just say, recently I've been looking at some new mics and MacBooks that I want. I have literally done weeks of research because yeah. I'm afraid that I'm going to spend my money in a mm-hmm. way that isn't the best. If I upgrade now, is there going to be another MacBook that comes out two months from now? Like, that's the way that my mind works. And I can't make a decision because I'm so afraid that I'm going to go in the wrong direction. And I know one particular verse that has continued to help me and has brought this kind of full circle is Psalms 37, 23. And it says, mm-hmm. the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in mm-hmm. his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And so I think we always have to trust where our heart's at, yeah, where we're placing it more importantly and where our pursuit is and knowing that if we are genuinely including God in every step and process in our life, that we're going to get the provision that we need. And also we have the tools necessary to make the right decisions. If I know that I've spent time in his word and I know his voice, his character, his principles, his values, and what that means for me, then I can confidently look at what's right in front of me and make the decision that I believe is best from the history I know that I have. And so that's one thing that's helped me. And then also the second part of this verse, speaking to the fact that though he may fall, he shall not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And so even because naturally, like we are all human, there's no such thing as a path that we take that is completely right or void of mistake and or mishaps. But even within that, if my heart is in the right place, I'm Mm. seeking him and it's pure that even in my misstep, he still guides me and upholds me with his hand and is going to direct me. And so that is one facet of this that has brought me that much more peace when we talk about being able to make decisions is one, trusting, again, not necessarily as as we know, like my own heart, but where I'm placing that in terms of at his feet, in his hand, and the pursuit that I have, and looking at what I've been able to gather from the history I have with God, from understanding his values making decisions from that, and then simultaneously understanding that one misstep, if that takes place, isn't going to completely remove me from my destiny, my purpose, or everything God has for me, because there's a provision for grace for that. And not meaning that we need to, or it's warranted for us to act recklessly in any way to just be Mm -hmm. making any decision based upon our feelings or just any type of inclination that comes. But again, like if it is centered in him, then we can understand that that promise applies to us. And I remember one time, I think I've been asked this question several times, but I was asked um, if I had any regrets. And I think at face value, your answer could be no. But when I really sat with it, I was like, no, like not really. And and when I really think on that, even now, 
the reason why is because God has always reordered my steps when when maybe I did make a decision that wasn't the best one. The it always ended back on the path I needed to be on. Kind of just speaking to your point. And I was sitting I was sitting with the topic and thinking on it and literally reiterating everything that you're saying a part of my indecisiveness at times was what I would call buyer's remorse. So what buyer's remorse is, is when you go to the store, you buy something and then you completely regret it. Like this was a waste of money. What was the point of this? Right. And that sometimes applies with decisions that I noticed in my own life. Like, Oh, there's been times in my life where I made a decision and then I'm like, Oh, like I probably shouldn't have done that. Or a part of me regrets it. And after so long of that happening, naturally, you're going to be a lot more cautious with the decisions that you make. But sometimes that can be dangerous and overbearing because you get to the point where you're crippled with even having to make a decision because like, I don't want to make the wrong one like I did that time and that time. And God showed me that a part of it is that's trauma. It's and it may not be seen or labeled as that, but that's what it is. You're allowing what happened yesterday to affect today to the point where it's restricting you. And it's and it's hurting you. So recognizing that as well is very important and kind of, you know, uprooting that. And I was I remember one time I was, I was reading Acts like I'm glad I found it because you were talking and it reminded me of this moment. There was a moment in Acts where Paul had made a decision. And then God had reordered his steps. And I remember when I read this for the first time and it blessed me so much. So it's in it's in Acts 18 verses five down to about 10. So I'm going to read from five. It says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. So to sort of paraphrase what we just read. So Paul goes to Corinth. He gets opposed, right? It says he brushes off his clothes to the point where they were like physically abusive with Paul. He says he shook out his clothes. He's like, you know what? Cool. Like, y'all don't want to listen to me. I'm good. I'm going to go teach somewhere else. Like, if y'all don't want to hear me, I'm, I'm chilling, right? So he had he made a decision at that point to leave Corinth. Like, I'm good, right? And And I don't know, but I would assume he didn't really go to God about that for, for a considerate amount of time, right? He, he was, he was in his emotions. He just got beat up essentially. I'm leaving. <laughs> he just got beat up. That's basically what it's saying. He got beat up. I'm nah, leaving, bro. Funny. They run that fade on. No, for real. He said, I'm cool. I'm leaving. Right. So he, it says he goes to the worshiper's house and then God gives him a dream. It doesn't say the next day, but it says a couple of days, God gives him a dream. He says, he says, don't be afraid. Like I'm with you. You're no longer going to be harmed. I have people. I'm protecting you. Continue to speak. And it says he, he stayed in Corinth. What does it say? A year and a half, right? So he made a decision to leave and then God reordered his steps. He said, no, no, no. Like, that's not what I need you to do. I know that's what you decided, but 
since I know your heart and you're genuinely a vessel for me, he spoke to him. He said, no, I need you to stay here. Right. And him being having an open heart to listen to God, like you were saying, you, your heart has to be in the right place. He had an open heart to just be in God's will. So he spoke to him and says, stay. And he stayed for a year and a half. Right. And Corinth greatly benefited from that. So I remember I read that and I was like, yo, like I said, that was this year. God took me through that whole lesson. And this was one of the uh, passages that I had read. I was like, dang, like, and this is Paul, because I think we talk about it sometimes. We look up to these people so much and, you know, to an extent, as we should. Um, and I was like, yo, like, this is Paul. He made a decision to leave and it was a wrong decision. It was a wrong decision. And then God reordered his steps. So you have to have faith and trust that God will do so. Right. So just take the step. And then if it's the wrong step, the guy is going to tell you, right, if you're genuinely having a sensitive ear to hear his voice, he is he's going to speak to you. You're his child. He loves you. He's not going to allow you to just run rampant, right? And go down a road that's that's to your detriment. Um, so that that's something that that really blessed me, that passage in Acts is, is so far. And one of the biggest things is now what I'm actively trying to do is not allow myself to just be paralyzed by indecision and be overcome by the weight of having options to the point where it takes away the peace that I know that I have in God. And if there's anything that I know I've been just trying to continue to take with me, hold on to and learn, it's those two points right there. Like when it comes to making these major life decisions, like there's a level of faith that we can have understanding that like it's the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom and with that comes the provision that we need with like direction and clarity mm-hmm. and just the clear path. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the biggest things. I don't think the process that we go through at times has to be so just burdensome and we can really mm-hmm. like put that weight on God. And so, yeah. And I love the point that you made about it being spiritual as much as practical as well. And mm. like, that's okay. God that's wants okay. us to use our, our common sense, you know, that's, you know, he's given mm-hmm. to us, he's provided to us and that we've been able to gain as we've walked with him to be able to navigate what's right in front of us. And so I think that we do believe at times that those two are mutually exclusive. And I did for the longest. I am like actively <laughs> as of today getting to a point where I'm like still having to learn that and yeah. seeing, you know, even fruit of what that looks like for me. So bro, when I tell you like, even like, e- even like getting in a relationship was so, it was so much more difficult than it needed to be because I genuinely felt it was unless God comes down to me in a dream <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Unless he blatantly <laughs> speaks to me and I hear his voice over spiritualizing and it's both. It's like seeking God to give you confirmation or to give his disapproval, but also making practical decisions. Decisions. Does this work for me? Do we fit? So even that's a practical example. Like, but like, like you said, I'm in that same boat. I'm still walking through that, but yeah, it's both. They're not mutually exclusive at all. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You have anything else that you wanted to add? Definitely just reiterating the story in Acts. I know I literally just said that, but go read that for yourself. It's Acts, Acts 18. Acts 18 verses 5 through 10. 
Go read that for yourself. I promise I'm not just chatting. That's in the word. But that that was the thing that set me free from this, like being so crippled by making decisions was that like God loves you. And it comes down to that too, recognizing that God loves you. You're his son, you're his daughter. You're a co-heirs with, with Christ. Like he's not gonna let you just be out here willy-nilly. He's gonna order your steps. He's going to guide you. That's what his grace is there for. The the height of your call is matched by the depth of his grace. I remember I said that before, and it applies to this conversation so well. So wherever he's calling you, his grace is just as deep as 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 that calling seems high, if that makes sense. So recognizing that his grace is going to cover you and he loves you. So it comes down to that too, recognizing his love for you. But yeah, that's just, yeah, that's it. Recognizing his love for you. Which can sum up a lot, but I think I love to end it there. And I think it makes the most sense in every scenario with what we have access to, what we can tap into and what he wants to give us. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But nonetheless, we appreciate each and every one of y'all. We're coming to the end of this year. We are taking the last two weeks of 2023 off, which we did last year. That may be something that we just continue to do going forward. Yeah, But we have six. Well, I think after this episode, will be like five more episodes left for the year, right. which is crazy to think about. But I'm extremely excited. Again, a lot of things for 2024 that you'll hear about, we'll mention. We'll do like our end of the year recap with everything that we learned for 2023 and then what to expect and what we have for next year and all in between. But stay tuned for it all and stay you, stay real, and stay humble. We'll catch y'all Friday. Much love.